Let's talk about Santa. I'll start by saying this is not a kid-friendly episode because we are going to be discussing Santa from the perspective of an adult or of a parent, if you know what I mean. So if you have a child present with you, press pause and come back to this. Now with the holiday season upon us, we know that many parents have mixed feelings about how to integrate Santa Claus into their celebration in a way that truly feels authentic and approachable for each family. Now, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, or if you don't believe in Santa Claus in your family, I'm hoping that you're going to get some tips on how to think and talk about the holidays a bit differently with your kids. In this episode, we're going to start off by letting go of all of your core beliefs about Santa, how you felt about him growing up, what you think he's supposed to do, what he's not supposed to do, and we're going to start fresh. There's probably some aspects from your childhood that you want to keep and others that you want to let go of. If you're trying to focus on the non-tangible gifts this holiday season, like relationships and religion and family connection, then you might find it necessary to strike a new balance in your approach to Santa Claus. And I'm here to encourage you and tell you that that is possible. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. I want to start by saying thank you to today's sponsor, Bark. Bark is an amazing company that monitors your kids' online activities for potential dangers, it filters inappropriate websites, helps you set screen time limits, and more. Once they've sent you an alert, they give recommended actions for addressing the issue with your child so that you can build a stronger relationship. In the first half of 2020 alone, Bark detected over 170,000 messages containing sexually explicit content and the ways they help protect your kids go further than that. No matter what you're concerned about, Bark is there to guide you as you raise a child in this increasingly digital age. So give it a try. Go to www.bark.us and use the code SIMPLEFAMILIES to receive a one-month free trial. Again, that's www.bark.us and use the code SIMPLEFAMILIES to get a one-month free trial. When it comes to keeping our kids safe online, we have to be proactive. All right, let's talk about Santa. The beautiful thing about being a parent is you get to define Santa. You are him, remember? Now, many of us enter parenthood with preconceived notions about what Santa Claus is supposed to do. Maybe Santa Claus is supposed to put his name on every single gift at your house. Maybe there are supposed to be a lot of gifts. Maybe Santa only brings one gift. Maybe Santa doesn't wrap the gift or he has special wrapping paper for his gifts. Whatever it is that you think Santa should be and Santa should do is right. You get to make the decision. And if there are bits and pieces of the tradition from your childhood that you don't like, then change them. Now, this episode is no different than any other. And I want to say that some of the things that I talk about today are going to represent my own beliefs and the way that we do things in my house. And they're going to be very different from yours. I would expect and even hope that you don't agree with everything that I say. I always encourage you to take what works for you and leave what doesn't. And I say that I hope you don't agree with everything I say because I want you to be thinking critically about what works for your family, for your beliefs, for your traditions. 
And I want you to be okay with that looking unique and different for every family. It's so important to value our differences. Your holiday traditions are going to be very different than every other family that you know. And that's part of what makes you and your family unique. I often find people asking online, what are your favorite holiday traditions? We're looking to implement some new ones. Personally, I find that anytime I try to invent or create a new tradition, it's a total flop. The best traditions, the ones that we truly want to repeat and replicate every year, are usually ones that just kind of happen naturally. I grew up in snowy northeastern Ohio, and every year I have fond memories of going to cut down a Christmas tree in the snow on, at a tree farm with my family. Now, most of these memories involve a lot of arguing, because I have three siblings, there's four of us all together, and there was always something to fight about, but it's something that we did. We bundled up, we went out in the snow, we got on one of those horse-drawn wagons, went out into the middle of a field, and bickered about which tree was the best. Did it annoy my parents? Probably. Did we keep doing it? Yes. And that's a tradition that I've continued with my own kids. Perhaps less bickering because I only have two kids. But even if there is bickering going forward, I'm okay with that. I think I told this story last year, but I wanted to start a tradition where every Christmas day we went for a hike as a family. And we have actually never executed that tradition, even though I've attempted it every year because Christmas day comes and we are just not in the mood to go on a hike. We just feel like sitting around inside and that's okay. Traditions come and go. They change. The good ones stick around. But when it comes to Santa, you might find that it is time for a change, especially if you're looking to refocus your family on the non-tangible gifts of this holiday season, the real reason for the season, whether that's relationships, religion, time for family connection, reflections on the year past, you might be looking to reduce the commercialism that's associated with the holiday season. I don't blame you. And a lot of that involves Santa Claus. It's hard to talk about Christmas without talking about Santa Claus. I had someone send me a message and say to me, how do we stop? I regret boarding the Santa train. I want to first start by saying that the tradition of observing and believing in Santa Claus is fun, and you shouldn't feel bad about enjoying a tradition like this. It's fun for kids and it's fun for parents. You also shouldn't feel obligated if it's not something that sits well in your gut. If it's not something that you enjoy, you can absolutely opt out and not feel bad about that either. But if you're looking to shift the definition and the role of Santa this holiday season so that he's less commercialized, It has to start with you. In many ways, parents lead the Santa train. We ask our kids to make a list. We take our kids to visit Santa, to read that list and request all the things. We give them the toy catalogs to circle all the things. We read the books, talk about the naughty list and the nice list. We participate in the tradition of Santa's little spy with the elf on the shelf. So I encourage you to watch how much you integrate Santa into the holiday season and how you talk about him and what he does. You might actually find yourself heavily inserting him into the season. He can be a part of the holidays without being the reason for the season. Instead of talking about Santa and list making and getting a lump of coal if you're bad, shift your language and your conversation and your time spent to other things to bring Christmas spirit, like driving around to see holiday lights, decorating together as a family, listening to holiday music, lighting up some holiday scents in your house. One of my favorite things is to put jingle bells on the front door. So every time we open and close the door, we hear the sound of the bells, baking cookies together, decorating gingerbread houses together, 
singing Christmas carols, watching Christmas movies, sitting around together in front of a fire. There are so many ways to feel festive and to observe the season that don't involve Santa Claus. And there are also ways to observe the season that don't involve Santa bringing a bunch of stuff. Consider skipping the commercials. Are your kids exposed to a lot of toy commercials or those YouTube videos where the kids are playing with toys? My kids don't watch any of those and they don't ask for any of that stuff because they're not exposed to it. And it helps to make my life a little bit easier. Now, I don't pretend that toys don't exist. If we're at Target and they wander through the toy section, I'm totally okay with that. They go to other kids' houses and they see some of these toys. I'm completely all right with that. But in the ways that I can control it, I try to scale back on the ads and the commercials that they're exposed to. That means we also skip the toy catalogs. As a child, I have fond memories of opening up those toy catalogs and circling half of everything in there, but I don't do that with my kids. I make the choice just to toss those in the garbage. To some extent, especially while your kids are still young, you can choose what you expose them to. Now, once they get to school and once they get exposed to the greater society, it's gonna get harder and harder, but you as the parent do still steer the ship. And in the aspects that you can, how can you scale back on exposing them to these marketing messages? Last year, I couldn't help but noticing the Amazon toy catalog when it came. It was covered with pictures of kids playing in the cardboard Amazon boxes. The front cover, the back cover, pictures throughout. The marketing imagery was all full of kids playing very naturally. It felt very wholesome with cardboard Amazon boxes. It's almost as if Amazon knows that kids often like the box more than they like what's inside of it. But it felt very tricky to me because when I'm looking at the cover of this catalog, when it came in the mail, it felt very wholesome and simple and natural, something that I might want to pass off to my kids to glance through. But then when I open it up, none of that stuff is for sale inside. And that's part of the reason that I choose not to pass these materials onto my kids is because it feels tricky. It feels a bit manipulative and it is. There are whole teams of people that figure out how to get kids to want this stuff and how to get these catalogs in front of as many kids and families as possible. And I'm not falling for it. Over the past decades, marketing has shifted more and more into understanding the psychology of the consumer and buying. They have learned how to get us to bite, how to get our kids to beg. So by saying no to bringing these marketing messages into your house, you're not being a mean mom, you're not being a mean dad, you're just saying, I'm not playing this game. You're saying, I'm going to make the decisions about what's important in our family. So maybe you decide that Santa can only bring gifts that the elves can make, things that they can carve out of wood, simple toys that have longstanding traditions. Or maybe you do like we do. You decide that Santa only brings one gift. And then if you want to give other gifts from you, if the grandparents want to give gifts, that's fine. But we always have to remember that it's confusing when kids go to school and Santa brought 50 gifts to one kid and one gift to the other, especially in this year where there's been so much financial instability. How do we be sensitive to the kids who aren't going to get that much from Santa or maybe kids who aren't going to get anything from Santa this year? There's a lot of people who don't feel comfortable lying to their kids about Santa, telling them that Santa exists when in fact they're going to have to refute that a few years later and admit that Santa doesn't exist. So I'm a big fan of the ambiguous Santa. You know, being ambiguous means open to more than one interpretation. Maybe it has a double meaning. Things are not so crystal clear. If I get any kind of questions about whether Santa is real or not, I'm pretty ambiguous about it. 
I say things like, oh, I don't really know. I don't really understand it all. I think that's just part of the magic of Christmas. You disclose as much as you want. You can leave as much mystery as you want. You can use as much honesty as you want. But keep in mind that a lot of kids aren't settled by ambiguity. And they're going to seem unsatisfied with these kind of answers. I know my kids do. They want specifics. In our house at this point, my kids are four and newly seven. And I'm not getting a lot of questions about Santa yet. But I have been getting a lot of questions about religion from my four-year-old. Now, I'm absolutely not suggesting that you take this ambiguous approach towards talking to your kids about religion. I'm simply relating a story where I used it. My daughter's been learning about Hanukkah lately at school, and she wants to know why we don't celebrate Hanukkah. In trying to keep things simple with her, I said that we are Christians and we celebrate Christmas. And Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah. We're not Jewish, so we don't celebrate Hanukkah. To which she, of course, asked, well, why aren't we Jewish? And again, trying to keep things simple, I said, well... We're Christians, and we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jewish people don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have our beliefs, and they have their beliefs. She was not satisfied with that response. She said, well, who's right? We're right, aren't we? To which I repeated my ambiguous answer. We have our beliefs, and they have their beliefs. It's okay for different people to believe different things. But again, she wasn't settled by that. And part of that is that in the early years, kids think in very black or white, very absolute. So ambiguity, the gray area is very unsatisfying to them. And that's okay. Sitting with that uncertainty can be a good lesson too. So if your family, or maybe you have a kid in the family that doesn't believe in Santa and you don't want them to spoil it for the other kids or the kids at school, try to approach it from this angle. Instead of approaching it with an absolute, as in, one belief is right or wrong, highlight that there are different belief systems. Maybe you could try, our family doesn't believe in Santa Claus, but the Joneses do believe in Santa Claus. Everyone believes something different and that's okay. Now, if you approach it as, I'm going to tell you the truth about Santa, there's no such thing as Santa. If anyone tells you that that's not true, the result is probably going to be that your kid sees this as an absolute and attempts to shut down every other kid who argues with them. Now, if you want to do that, that's okay. But also understand that your kids are going to be more likely to spoil it for the others if you do this. There are elements of Santa that we can keep in our imagination. We can believe in bits and pieces of it, of the magic of it. It doesn't have to be right or wrong. He doesn't have to exist or not exist. Some of us believe and some of us don't. And that's okay. Different beliefs are okay. Every family is different. Every human is different. And that's okay. It's one more way of teaching tolerance and acceptance. Now, I know that ambiguous approach isn't for everyone. If you're raising your kids to believe that their religion and their beliefs are the only right ones and that everyone else is wrong, that's your prerogative. You get to make the choices on what you teach your kids about your own beliefs. You get to choose what you teach your kids about tolerance and acceptance. And I don't think that we should take those lessons lightly. Now, I've spent most of this episode saying, do what you want to do, believe what you want to believe. But there is one aspect of Santa that I do not waver on. Do not use Santa or the elf on the shelf as a form of behavior control. If you've been doing this, don't feel guilty. Don't feel shamed. I mean, that is 
a big part of the story of Santa with the naughty and nice list. If you're naughty, you're not going to get gifts. If you're good, you are going to get gifts. If you're naughty, you're going to get coal. It's in the books. It's in the songs. It's deeply integrated into this tradition. But this is a part of the tradition that I want everyone to change. Nobody's watching you. This mythical, mysterious old man is not watching you. The little elf is not judging your behavior. That's not their job. I know as parents, often it feels easy to contract out the behavior modification. And by that, I mean saying, if you don't get your shoes on, Santa's not going to bring you all your gifts. Or if you talk to your sister like that one more time, you're getting a lump of coal this year. That kind of stuff. I'd call that contracting out behavior modification to Santa. That's not his job. His job is to collect and distribute Christmas cheer. And what that looks like may differ in every family. Christmas cheer may be gifts. Maybe it's decorating. Maybe it's food, maybe it's family time, whatever it is. I once worked with a family years ago who used Santa for behavior modification all year long. Literally every time the kids did something the parents didn't want them to do, they would say that Santa is watching all year round. Doesn't matter if it's March or November. I don't like it for a variety of reasons, but it puts all the emphasis on doing the right thing to get the right things. Behave for tangible rewards. Not to mention the time is going to come rather soon where they're going to realize that Santa doesn't actually bring gifts. And you've been amping up this guy, using him to get your kids to behave. And then you're going to turn around and say that it's all just kind of a joke. I don't know. That just, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't feel good to me. Not to mention that this idea of being good or being nice is so freaking abstract. What does that even mean when you say, be a good girl, be a good boy, Nobody is quote-unquote good or bad all the time. We all, adults, children alike, have good moments and bad moments. We're humans. We have a whole range of emotions, and that's okay. I never want my kids to strive to be good because when their humanness shows and they step out of line or do something I don't like, that black or white thinking kicks in, and immediately they think that they're bad. So I would recommend skipping the good, bad, naughty, nice that whole narrative around Santa. He's not watching you. He's not controlling your behavior. He's not judging you. He is just simply there to collect and to distribute Christmas cheer. So remember, you don't have to follow the Joneses. You don't have to follow your own childhood traditions. You can follow your heart and your gut. And if you are going to gift your kids an abundance of gifts this year, I would encourage you to let them know that a great deal of it came from you, not Santa. Because there's a lot of kids out there who are going to be comparing notes and their Santa slash parents may not have the resources to provide as much and think about what it might feel like for them in their shoes. All right. I hope this has been helpful and gave you a few things to think about. As always, thanks for tuning in and I hope you have a good one. I'll chat with you next week.